Welcome to the People of Canterbury Baptist, the podcast where we meet the people of Canterbury Baptist Church in Melbourne, Australia, and hear their stories and explore ideas relevant to our church and community. My name is Stephen, and for today's episode, let's meet Ariel. Hello, Ariel. Welcome to the People of Canterbury Baptist podcast. Hello, Stephen. Thank you for inviting me. Now, of course, I do start off with the same question with everyone, and it's going to be the same for you too, which is where were you born? I was born in the Philippines, um, in Manila, to a family of five, including me. So two older siblings and, of course, my parents. Uh, so in, in Manila, in, which is the main capital city of, uh, of the Philippines, um, what's your first memory of, of, uh, of life in Manila? That's interesting. Um, I distinctly, well, my parents came from a different region in the Philippines, um, um, in the Bicol region. Um, my first memory is that we were entering a house, um, not a house, but a room, and there's only one light turned on. And then we thought to ourselves, wow, it's quite dark here in Manila. So even though you'd lived there all your life, your first memory is thinking that your your that your own city is a dark place because there's only one light on in one room. Yes, I often tell people that my first memory is that I was in my mommy's tummy and it was quite dark and squishy, yes. squishy. But no one believes that, so I'll take that um, dark room as my first memory. So, paint a bit of a picture for us. What was life like for you? I guess at a young age. So let us keep you preschool years, so maybe zero to grade uh, two five years of age, so before you go to school, and I know that our memories are not always sharp, but we often have impressions. Do you have any a sense of impressions or memories of what life was like for you? Did it feel like, or was your memory that it was a happy childhood or a, maybe, a, a, I don't know, a, you know, how would you describe your childhood in that sense? I did have a happy childhood. I can distinctly remember playing with my friends outside, um, playing basketball, getting home with very muddy feet and my mom would ask me and gets and scold me that um, I should wash my feet and I should keep myself less dirty next time. Um, we did, yeah, we, we live in a highly urbanized area. We didn't have a concept of, at least for me, I, I didn't have a concept of going back to the province, um, enjoy the more rural life um, because it was never an option for us to go back um, to the province because money was tight during those times. So your parents were from the province, not from Manila? My parents were from the province. What kind of work did your parents do? My mom was a teacher. Um, she teach in the nearby public elementary school, primary school. My father was an electrician who um, helps maintain ships in the harbor. And so had they had, had they moved to Manila in search of a better life and in the hopes to give their children, such as yourself, a better life? Yes, I can say that's always been the aim of my mother because um, I always remember um, her telling us that once you get into an opportunity to stay in a good area, then it's best to stay there as much as you can. And I think that's one of the well, guiding principles that we have here moving into Australia um, we know that Canterbury area, the Baldwin area is quite nice. So we try our best to stay here as much as we can and um, revolve our plans around staying here for the long term. You made the comment that you didn't go back to the provinces very often. I'm guessing what you meant by that is you you didn't go back to the area that your parents 
were raised in, were most of your in-laws, most of your extended family still living in, in the provinces? They are living in different areas of Manila. Okay. But I think I only have one cousin staying in the um, province at that time. So you started your education in Manila? Yep. Uh, primary school and all the way through to high school? All the way to high school, all the way to university. All right, so let's keep you as a, as a primary school and maybe a high school student. Were you a good student? I believe so. I finished second in my class in primary. I did went to a good school, high school in the Philippines, arguably the best um, public high school during that time. Um, can you paint a picture of yourself as a student? So were you a particularly good student in terms of your academic studies or was school more of a place that you just enjoyed hanging out with because of your friends and the other activities you got to do? What did you like about school? That's probably the simple version of, this, of the question. I don't know how to answer this question properly um, because I've always found myself, well, I was never studious um, and I was never the one who will burn the midnight oil to read stuff. I think stuff just happens naturally, if, if I may say that. Um, so um, growing up in primary school, since I'm already doing good without that much effort, I managed to get top in the top of my class. Um, but come high school, reality comes in. Um, then I started to feel normal again. But I think, yeah, at that time, I don't know how to study. Um, I can say I'm good, but I'm not studious. What did you, um, were there particular subjects or subject areas that attracted you? I learned at an early age that I'm quite good in programming. So around high school, they started to teach us computer um, computer programming, um, it's quite novel at that time. Um, it's not offered in most schools. I did quite enjoy it. And I think going into uni, that's one of the reasons why I went to engineering eventually. So engineering, and this is, is a spoiler alert for where our conversation is going to go to, but you, 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 you did that in university and then you've, you've been in the IT and programming industry ever since university up until in, and including today. So this early awakening of computer programming is something that you love has been a consistent theme throughout your educational life and actually into your working life. So in effect, in primary school, you found the thing which you're now continuing to do today. I, now that I realize it, it's something I found comfort in. I became comfortable with it and I just tried to play around what I'm comfortable with. Were you uh, raised in a Christian home? I was raised in a Catholic household. Um, and then, as I've mentioned before, I when I moved later on in my life, I've moved to Singapore. I've improved. I got to know the Lord better in a Pentecostal church. So let's, I'm going to pause you there because that's jumping our story forward. Let's okay. take you back and let's keep you as a primary school or a high school age person living at home. Um, so in being raised Catholic, can you just describe for us what it means to be raised Catholic in Manila? That means that um, most of the people in the Philippines are Catholics. So it's often you follow the practices that what your parents do. You go to church, um, even in school, there's um, grottos in there where you can pray. Um, even Sorry, have, hang on, I'm going to pause you there. There's grottos, little prayer corners Correct. 
in schools. And so it's not it's it's almost expected that students as an act of their own personal devotion would pray or was it more even the schools themselves would organize times to pray in these places. We did had our first communion in school. I can I can remember that distinctly. Is this a Catholic school or is this a public school? This is a public school. Wow. So even in a public school the Catholic uh the Catholic faith was was very very strong. There's some presence. Um there are a few activities lined up to like some religious activities lined up. Um, we do observe a lot of feasts for the saints um, in the Philippines nationwide. Um, so, so you're talking about about, uh, about about being raised Catholic within the uh, within the school system. You're talking about how there's even grottos and places of prayer. So, what is the experience of? Or you, you say that you're raised Catholic in the Philippines. Just continue to describe what that means. Is is it all is it all outward performance? So for you, was that sense of being a Christian, being a faithful Christian, uh, about the services you attended and the feast days you you kept? You know, what did what did that education, what did that experience teach you about the Christian faith? At that age, I know there's a God. I know God exists. Um, I know that He created heaven and earth. Um, I'm not quite sure yet about heaven and hell at that time. Um, my uncle at that time was Baptist. Um, he would often tell us about the differences between Catholic faith and the Baptist um, faith, even the Protestant faith. And that's sort of stirred something in me that I was never, even I was raised Catholic, I never really committed fully to the practices um, of Catholicism. Were you baptized in the Catholic yeah. tradition? Every baby is baptized in the Philippines, at least those belong in a Catholic family. Um, were you confirmed? I'm not sure. I need to ask my parents. <laughs> Most likely I am. So confirmation usually happens in like maybe 11, 12, 13, 14 years of age. And it, it often leads up to their first communion. So do you have any, any memory of that first communion? I did do first communion. Okay. So yes, I'm confirmed. So yes, all right, that's fine. So you've been <laughs> through the basic Catholic rituals of uh, of, of, of of baptism and uh, and first communion as part of that. Um, did you get a sense within your household, with among your parents, that faith was a really important thing for them, or did, or was it more a sense of a cultural experience that everyone else did, so therefore they did it as well? I, I think it's more cultural, and that's usually what happens when something becomes normal to you. And that you, there's not much um, power in it. It doesn't define you that much, except that if that's what everybody does, so maybe that's the right thing to do. Maybe that's that's what it should be. So faith was something that was just in the air that you breathe. It was in the culture that you're in. It was even in the schools, the public schools that you're part of. But it's interesting to me that uh, you you described in passing how I think it was your uncle once described to you the difference between the Catholic and the Protestant faith. Mm. And even in that very, that, that description that he gave you, you, you mentioned that something sort of awakened within you, some curiosity. Was yeah. it about the Protestant side of the equation? Was that what sort of awakened in you? I'm not sure about Protestantism at that age, but I know that um, there's another way of interpreting um, what's presented to you. Well, they all agree that there's one God, but there's a few details in there that can be massaged a bit and can be discussed further. And so that for you in in your in your mind at that time that possibility actually awakens some some curiosity within you some desire to understand that may be a different way maybe not curiosity but i think at that point in time 
made myself be open on other, well, maybe a curiosity. You can say it's curiosity. Um, can you talk to us more generally about life in the Philippines? So we're going back, what is this in the, is this would be the 1990s is the sort of era we're talking about? This is 1990s to early 2000s. Yep. Um, what's the usual stuff to tell? Um, well, um, just before we started recording, you talked about how you were raised within what you now describe as a lower middle class area, but not very far for, away from you were slums. And so yeah. um, for us living in Australia or raised in Australia, there, there are things which maybe for you are quite normal in your experience of life mm. in the Philippines and the things that you saw and the things that you experienced, which maybe for people raised in a country such as Australia are actually things that we've never had to grapple with before, so for you, did, did did you have much direct exposure to the slums there in the Philippines? Well, at least in our area, um, I know that I have classmates who are near the poverty line. Um, that it's difficult for them to meet to make ends meet. I am well blessed that my parents have work, so at least we can we can get along with. But there are cases that I know that some kids can't afford. Um, decent clothes or at least there are some cases at least I've heard that they cannot send their kids to school because they can eat, they need to either work or they just can't afford to send them over So at a young age as you're walking around your streets or playing in your streets do you remember seeing much in the way of signs of this kind of poverty or was it was it far enough away that it didn't really intersect in your life? There, there are traces there are traces of poverty around our, our area. Um, like, well, my mom used to, my mom was a teacher and she just, she tells me stories about um, some of her students um, sleeping in class because they have to work overnight in order to get food on the table. So we're talking about primary four students in here that they need to work in the wet market so that they can just earn a living. So these are children age, maybe nine or 10 years of age? Roughly. Uh, and they're just so exhausted they just sleep in the, in the classroom overnight so they can, stay, they can make it to, to school, but they also need to, to go do these other jobs. At the That's correct. Um, did you, uh, once again, prior to our, our, our prior to recording, you talked a bit about the experience of even having to avoid certain streets and uh, even some personal experiences mm. of being held up in the, you know, in the process there. Um, yeah. So this is all sort of, sort of the flavor and texture of the sort of life on the world that you lived in. Are you happy to, to just to maybe mention a few of those stories? Oh yes. So um, from where I live, um, there's an area in there that's quite notorious <laughs> um, to have a lot of, let's just say, violence and a lot of not people without good intentions. So oftentimes when I need to take a cab, cab home, I will ask, I will tell them I, I live in this area and they will not let me take the cab because it's too dangerous to pass there at night. And I have to convince them, well, there's another way that you can go, go through, you can pass by here, it's a little bit safer. And only then they will let me take the cab. We've been spending a few minutes now just talking about some of the, the slums and the and uh, the poverty within uh, the, the Filipino community. But um, as we sit here now, and particularly now that you're in Australia looking back, what is it that 
What is it that you miss about the Philippines, particularly from those days? Something maybe about the culture or the community or the food? I mean, are there things about the about um, the the experience of being raised within that nation and raised within that culture that still that you still sort of hold on to as things that are important and precious to you, and maybe you miss now that you, that, that you're not part of that community anymore? Well, I have learned that Filipinos are tough people. Um, they learn to navigate through life with whatever that they have. Um, I do wish that my kids will have the same strength, not in the same conditions, but I hope they will find the same strength as they grow up. And and at the same time, I hope that they will not face the same adversaries that I came up with, at least some of the people around my area grew up with. Let's take you to, 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 uh, into your university years, and then maybe that can be a bit of an end point for our conversation today. So you finished high school. What university did you go to? I went to the University of the Philippines. Um, is that, is that a, main, a major university in the Philippines? That should be at least top one, top two okay. in the Philippines. Yeah. So is it, was it competitive to get in there? It was quite competitive. Um, you have to take an exam, and it's open for the whole country, so you... You have to get into the university and you need to meet the proper score to get into the course that you want. So the slightly cheeky question I can ask you then is, did you study to do that exam? Not much. <laughs> um, like, like what I said, I was in one of the best school, best high schools in the Philippines. So it's already preparing us to be ahead of everybody. So it's not that difficult to get in. And sometimes um, it will be more surprising if people from our batch don't end, don't get into that university. Um, how many years was the course? I took a five-year engineering course, finished it in six. Well <laughs> then. And did you enjoy university life? University life was fun. Um, you meet friends, another... Group of friends, you get to meet more people, um, just much more variety. Um, the people that you deal with, you make friends with. Um, there's always challenges in terms of academics, and what's fun is that all of you are suffering together, <laughs> so there's some bond in distress or something like that. Did you live on campus during your university years or, or at home? No. Um, I take the public transport home. I think I've been mugged once. Sorry, mugged? Mugged. Twice. I don't know, twice um, when I, on my way back home. Actually, on one night, I got mugged. Then when we um, alighted the jeepney, the public transport in the Philippines back then, there was another attempted burglary on me on that same night. <laughs> Wow, but the first guy would have cleaned you out, so the second guy pro- probably didn't get very lucky. Something like that. But I managed to detect his intentions, so I got the swerve in. But it's unbelievable. You can get mugged twice on the same. The same yeah. So did that, for you in that environment, did that raise fears and concerns for you to travel or that was just part of what life was, part of, part of the risk of life and you just kept pressing on, as you said earlier on, that the, the Filipino people are tough people. This is actually part of just what that life is. I, I think that's part of life and I think that's something that I would wish that everybody would aspire 
that they know that life can get better, not just stay on what is um, presented to them. I mean, for some, most Filipinos, they don't have that option to seek better opportunities. But I'm very happy that my parents put me in a position to be able to um, go or at least get, grab my own opportunities. Like for example, moving here to Australia and getting good job moving here, settling here away from that old life. Ariel, it's been an incredible privilege just to talk with you, unpack something of your life today. And we've already hinted at uh, further uh, steps in the story we haven't even got to yet. So, mate, if it's okay, how about we come back for another chat? But uh, thank you for taking this time and really appreciate your openness and telling your story. Thank you for having me, Stephen. And thank you to everyone who has tuned in to listen. This podcast is produced and presented by Stephen Field on behalf of Canterbury Baptist Church, Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email cbc at canterburybaptist.org. If you're a member or regular attender of this church, how about you get in touch with Ariel directly and thank him for his contribution today. The music is a song, The First Step, by Andrew Naylor from his album, Two Stones. This album is available wherever you purchase or stream your music. Join us next time as we continue our chats with the people of Canterbury Baptist. Thank you.